Yeah, g'day. I'm Brett Dillon, and this is The Movie Chronicles in a non-Kiwi episode. I hope you've packed your earplugs, because things are about to get loud. This episode, we're in 1972 to attend two rock concerts. But first, in history, this year, time walks at a slow pace until on... January the 10th, Sheikh Mujibar Rahman returned to Bangladesh after nine months in a Pakistani prison. January the 11th, Rahman declares himself president of a new constitutional government in Bangladesh. January the 18th, 33 days after winning the war against Pakistan, the guerrilla army Makti Bahini lay down its arms to the new Bangladesh army. January the 20th, President Zulfikar Ali Bhutto announced Pakistan would begin a nuclear weapons program starting immediately. Apparently, he couldn't think of a better use for taxpayers' money after shamefully losing a war to the inferior Bangladeshi forces. Maybe get on a friendly footing with your neighbors? No. Don't expect peace anytime soon then. January the 21st, 100 people of a wedding party die in New Delhi after a bootlegger sells them wood alcohol. January the 30th, Pakistan withdrew from the Commonwealth of Nations because, you know, Bangladesh. Actually, it's just severing ties with the UK and countries colonized by the UK. Like the nuclear weapons announcement, this show of strength just revealed how weak Pakistan is. March the 2nd. The Club of Rome released the results of its thought experiment regarding exponential economic and population growth with finite resources. This is an earlier popularized example of computer modeling. It does not look good. The prediction is global collapse within the next 100 years. March the 19th, India and Bangladesh signed the Indo-Bangladeshi Treaty of Friendship, Cooperation and Peace. May the 7th, Italy held its general elections. The generals become confused because nobody voted for them. January the 14th, a Japanese Airlines flight crashed just out of New Delhi, India and killed 82 of the 87 occupants. December the 16th, the Constitution of Bangladesh came into effect. The first concert is about to start and takes us to Madison Square Garden in New York City. Stop blocking the island, take your seat. Jeez, I can't take you anywhere. While you're getting comfortable, a little background. 
This event began when the Pakistan military junta launched a genocidal campaign against the Bengali people in East Pakistan, who were fighting for the right of self-determination. Just like the Muslim people of India fought for the right of an independent state and created Pakistan. Can you say hypocrites? The war created 40 million displaced persons and a humanitarian crisis. Former Beatle George Harrison responded with Concert for Bangladesh. Director Saul Swimmer, Director of Photography Richard E. Brooks, Fred Hoffman, Toru Nakamura, and Saul Negron. Actors George Harrison, Bob Dylan, Ravi Shankar, Ringo Starr, Eric Clapton, Leon Russell, Billy Preston, Badfinger, and the Hollywood Horns. The godfather of pop charity concerts occurred when Ravi Shankar suggested to George Harrison that Bangladesh needed urgent help. George assembled his mates. John Lennon and Paul McCartney are self-consciously missing. Along with George on stage are Ravi Shankar, Bob Dylan, Eric Clapton, Leon Russell, Bill Preston, Klaus Vormann, Jim Keltner, Badfinger, and the Hollywood Horns. I know you heard this in the cast list, but it's worth repeating. This is very serious star power. Now, to give credit where credit is due, Paul McCartney was invited, but declined because he thought the time wasn't right for a Beatles reunion, and steam was gathering under his solo career. John Lennon accepted the invitation until he learned his wife, Yoko Ono, wasn't invited to perform. Eric Clapton missed the rehearsals as he went into heroin withdrawal. Yes, it's that moment in his career. This was his last performance for the next two years as he battled with this demon. On the plus side, this is one of Bob Dylan's earliest live performances since his motorbike accident in the 60s. The film captures the performances from the indifferent to the great, but without, in my opinion, any flair. It takes its cue and format from Woodstock, 1970, a film that at least was innovative in its editing. The U.S. Inland Revenue Service froze the proceeds from the concert, pending an investigation. You have to laugh. The service wanted to tick the box so it could get the tax and interest on the total proceeds. Good to see you have humanitarian interests, guys. Meanwhile, while you stuff your faces in your air-conditioned offices, the people of Bangladesh starve. The investigation took nearly a decade. You know how compound interest works. The crisis in Bangladesh was well over before the money was released and was just a continuation of U.S. inhumanitarian interference in overseas aid projects. Director Saul Swimmer was born on April the 25th, 1936, in Uniontown, Pennsylvania, USA, and he died in 2007. Saul graduated from Carnegie Mellon University with a B.A. He then went into film production. Most important production, at least as far as Concert for Bangladesh is concerned, was Without Each Other, 1962, produced by the controversial Alan Klein, who also served as Saul's introduction to the music business. 
Saul then made Mrs. Brown, You've Got a Lovely Daughter, 1968, featuring the pop group Herman's Hermits. The next break came when he co-produced the documentary Let It Be, 1970, which served as his introduction to George Harrison and Ringo Starr. Ringo produced his next film, Come Together, 1971, and this segued into Concert for Bangladesh. Afterwards, Saul developed the Mobile Vision Projection System, a giant screen system he used to promote We Will Rock You, Queen, Live in Concert, 1983. Births this year were a squadron of little rippers. On! February the 24th, Pooja Vat, the Indian actor. February the 29th, Antonio Sabato Jr., the Italian actor. May the 25th, Karen Johar, the Indian producer, director, and scriptwriter. June the 6th, Christina Scabia, the Italian singer. July the 12th, Gabriel Garco, the Italian actor. August the 27th, The Great Kali, the Indian actor. September the 30th, Shan, the Indian singer. November the 26th, Arjun Rampal, the Indian actor. December the 17th, John Abraham, the Indian actor. And finally, December the 23rd, Morgan, the Italian composer. Meanwhile, Pink Floyd went to Italy to record a concert without an audience. Pink Floyd, live at Pompeii. Director, Adrian Marbin. Director of Photography, Willie Courant and Gabor Pagani. Editor, Nino DeFonso and Jose Pinheiro. Music and actors, Pink Floyd. As a word of warning, the film was re-edited for DVD with different animated visuals added to certain scenes. Of the two versions, I prefer the first, as I feel a lot less like the director is trying to insert himself into the material. I will confine my remarks to the original release, the songs remain the same, between the two versions. Pink Floyd dragged their regular touring equipment, including a mobile 8-track recorder mixed as 16-track in post-production, to the amphitheatre in Pompeii. Adrian Mabin had approached the group in 1971 with the idea of a film in which Pink Floyd music would accompany images of artwork. This idea was rejected by the band. There the matter might have ended, except Adrian took an Italian holiday and lost his passport in Pompeii. He returned to the amphitheatre to look for it and thought the silence and ambient sound would make a good setting for a concert. He also thought filming without an audience would make a good contrast to recently released films such as Woodstock and Gimme Shelter. He contacted Professor Caputi of Naples University, who was a Pink Floyd fan, to try and arrange permission to film on the site. This was now an idea that the band could get behind. They had final choice of the songs, and they wanted to feature songs from their recent release, Metal. Adrian was insistent upon including Careful With That Axe Eugene and Saucer Full of Secrets, from their back catalogue, as he felt they were good numbers to film. If you had heard those tracks, you 
like me, may be a bit surprised that Adrian felt that way. The tracks are improvisations closer to what we think of as ambient music today, and don't seem to have much visual potential at all. The songs were recorded in sections, which were then spliced together in editing. The film premiered at the Edinburgh International Film Festival in 1972 and presented only material shot in Pompeii. This is the 60-minute version and is hard to find. Adrian always felt this version was too short and asked to shoot additional material of the group at work in the studio. This created the material featuring early versions of material that appeared on Dark Side of the Moon. This is the standard 80-minute version and was released in 1973. This version got the praise, which the Hollywood Reporter said was a fully structured concept which stands on its own quite beyond its function of recording a live rock concert. I agree with the sentiment, but don't think the reviewer understood the concept was the concert, and putting the audience in an on-stage position while also suggesting the timelessness of Pink Floyd's compositions. The track list in order is Pompeii, Echoes, Part 1, On the Run, Careful with that Axe, Eugene, A Saucer Full of Secrets, Us and Them, One of These Days, Set the Controls for the Heart of the Sun, Brain Damage, Mamzal Dobbs, and Echoes, Part 2. Director of photography Willy Courant was born on February 15, 1934, in Liège, Belgium, and he died in 2021. Willy was separated from his parents in World War II and sent to an orphanage until he was 17. Originally interested in a career as a stills photographer, while working at a job processing film in France, he also took evening classes at a film school. He began his professional career in 1954, making a documentary about the Belgian Congo. In 1957, Willie was awarded a scholarship to become an assistant cameraman at Pinewood Studios in England. Here, he lucked out by working under director of photographies of the quality of Geoffrey Unsworth, Harry Waxman and Jack Hildyard. In 1962, Willie moved back to France to study cinematography. He lucked out again and worked under directors Jacques Rosier, Marin Kamitz, Agnes Varda, Jean-Luc Godard, and Orson Welles. In 1967, Willie began his collaborations with singer Serge Gainsborough. The name-dropping continues throughout his career, but I will conclude here. Director of photography Gabor Pragani was born on October 25, 1915 in Budapest, Hungary, and he died in 1999. Although born in Hungary, Gabor was educated in Britain and then immigrated to Italy. He is best known for his work with Italian director Vittorio De Sica. Death laid down its immutable law on March the 31st, Meena Kumari, the Indian actor, born 1933. May the 29th, Prithuijab Kapoor, the Indian director-actor, born 1906. July the 30th, Geeta Dutt, the Indian singer, born 1930. August the 11th, Teresa Francini, the Italian actor, born 
1877. Next episode, the horror, the horror of 1992. Bring your bath bags, you have been warned. Don't forget to buy a Movie Chronicles ebook from your local e-store. They look forward to having you for dinner. To support this podcast and keep the episodes chundering along, why not become a Patreon supporter? Why a duck indeed? Until the next reading of the Necronomicon, see you in hell.